Hey there listeners, it's me Greg, your host, and I'm just going to get into things real quick because I've made you wait long enough for episode 201. I mean, it's only been like an extra week, week and a half, whatever, but still, long enough. Thank you for your patience on this little hiatus. Um, there is a lot of news to cover, which is also partly why I'm not going to uh, go into it too deeply. A lot's happened since episode 199. I didn't do anything on 200 because it was just, it was a lot to put that episode together. Uh, a big learning moment for me, and I thank everybody for their patience. I would like to have done this before that episode just to thank them for uh, uh, you all as, for listening and for um, being gracious with the uh, the video and how it all turned out. Um, overall, I'm okay with it. I wanted to put in more bells and whistles, uh, and I don't like that my light vanished by the end of it. It was a rookie mistake on my part. I should know better as a filmmaker. At any rate, all good learning experiences. I hope you enjoyed it, and we hope that we can maybe do another one again. any rate, uh, yeah, lots has happened. Uh, we've got a couple crowdfunding chronicles from Tina. We've had a multitude of fantastic features. Mark Chan has kept up with the Flashback Friday series as well. So plenty of interesting feature content. The site has just been pumping out uh, thanks to Zach Wilkerson's great job of helming that department now. Over in reviews, Jono has been, uh, <laughs> I guess, cracking the whip because we have had so many reviews come out. Like, there's been a lot of games dropped. Everyone's been playing like mad. I don't know how everyone plays so fast. Uh, it's just baffling. I mean, I'm still talking about Torchlight 3 on this episode, and uh, it should be done by the time we get to 202. But a lot of great reviews. A couple DLCs came out. Also, a couple previews of uh, Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory demo and the uh, early impressions of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity demo. So go check those out too to see how things are shaping up for both of those. There's so much going on. And Adam Lurs contributed with a music review. Finally got a new music review of the Another Eden soundtrack. Everyone remember that awesome mobile gacha RPG? Another Eden, the cat beyond space and time. Well, uh, yeah, we finally got their soundtrack. Adam took a listen to it. It's got some beautiful music. I got a little bit in the background. You got some fantastic people on there, like Yasunori Mitsuda. So, I mean, yeah, go give it a listen. Go read the review. And otherwise, uh, enjoy episode 201. Hey everybody, we're back. Thank you for um, you know uh, hanging out while we had a brief little hiatus after episode 200. There's just lots going on at the site. I personally just wanted a break. We wanted to take a look at how the podcast can move forward now, 200 episodes, 10 years later. It's not going to shake up too much, but we want to do things a little bit more tight, to the point, uh, so that way the, the random discussion that can happen, I guess, gets a bit more time to breathe I and mean, none of us ever feel panicked to round things off real quick when it starts creeping up on two hours on the regular basis so uh in that spirit uh yeah enjoy what's to come so i am as always joined by my lovely co-host jono logan jono say hi to the people but how will they know i'm lovely if we're not on video anymore they can go back that's the best part of the video is now we have that one video that is recorded for posterity so 10 years from now you're gonna look like that as far as anyone knows you're right. This is perfect. That's why my headshot I still use is from like 2009. <laughs> <laughs> totally look like that. Totally, totally. Just, let's just go with this as my casting. 
To be fair, I did look like that before the beginning of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do miss my my gym visits. That's for sure. The 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 COVID uh, apathy is is real. I've been trying to get back into a new routine, but it's it's still hard. Self motivation mm-hmm. at home is a different beast, but. I, I'm glad I still have stuff to work with here. So anyways, all that being said, thanks for being back on Jono, uh, who I assure everyone is quite handsome and a delightful human. Oh, also a delightful human. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because that just puts foots in my mouth that I'm not going to bother with, but delightful human all the same. Caitlin Archeos is finally back on the podcast. Hey, it's, uh, it's been a while. Hasn't it? Hey guys. It has been. Hey. Last time you were on, you weren't even with us. That's true. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, last time it was with us was the last Cold Steel. <laughs> Wait, really? It was that long? I think so. I feel like I, don't, I can't think if you've been on more recently. Well, then it's, I guess, good that I'm talking about Cold Steel this time, too? Like... <laughs> Just keeping the continuity. <laughs> I mean, we can expect one or the other from you if it's Cold Steel. If it's not Cold Steel, it'll it's be Final Fantasy uh, fourteen. fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I am a, I'm a two trick pony. Apparently, I guess I don't no, know. No, no, no. Yeah, actually, you're not a two trick pony. Uh, looking at this, the last time you were on, you were talking about uh, Shadowbringers five point two. Oh, oh, okay, okay. That makes right, that makes go. more sense. I was like, I'm pretty sure I talked about sh- uh, something to do with Final Fantasy fourteen in between now and last October. Yeah. It's it's been a bit of a blur, but yeah, you're that's right. Mm-hmm. But it's just yeah, it's good to have you back. I, I miss chatting with you, so I'm glad to have your voice back on the podcast. Yeah, same to you guys. Yay! Yeah, you plowed through quite a few games since the last time you were on here, so but we're only we're only going to talk about the big one. Yeah, and maybe touch upon another little one. Yeah, we can touch on those things as well. But yeah, that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about games, uh, and uh, you know the weather and cork floorboards apparently you know that that's what uh, has been really happening in the past year at, at uh, random encounter yeah <laughs> our, it was 20 s- degrees here in toronto today there we go see we got to talk about the weather right guys that's what everyone's here to see or, and 20 degrees rather. celsius uh what would that be in fahrenheit i have no idea i think that would be nice right it would be <laughs> yeah ni- nice fall day yeah really nice fall day Kaylin's the librarian in the room. I just expect her to be the Dewey Decimal card catalog and can answer all questions for us, right? Here are our encyclopedia. I mean, about books, but I, I have to do mental math when it comes to uh, temperature conversions myself. I, all I know is that above 30 is not comfortable at all in, 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 <laughs> in Celsius. That's that, that and that <laughs> zero Celsius is freezing Fahrenheit. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've all got some some recent releases that we've been playing. Uh, me less so. Uh, when we last left off on our podcast, our big episode two hundred, uh, I was talking about my experiences with Torchlight uh, very loosely and vaguely because I really hadn't gotten into the core concepts and been super deep into my note taking and stuff yet. Uh, I don't know if this holds true for everybody else. Um, I mean, I do take my notes on the fly while I'm kind of playing, but I try and. I usually try and commit to like the first hour or so unless something major happens that I know I won't remember, whatever. Like just kind of without taking notes yet, just to kind of get an undiluted, uninterrupted experience. Mm-hmm. Does that hold true for either of you? Uh, usually, usually I'm really I'm really into notes for like the first I don't know couple hours of playing a game, and then if it's a good game, I sort of stop taking notes because I'm getting into the game. 
And that's how I know it's probably going to be a well-scored game, because if I forget to take notes, then it means I'm getting engaged with it. If I keep taking, like, copious amounts of notes nonstop, then it's more of an academic exercise. Yeah, I, um... I guess I, I sporadically take notes. Uh, I, I set up my categories before I start playing, and then every once in a while, yeah, I will... I'll be like, hmm, Caitlin, you have not written any notes about this game yet. Maybe I should jot a few things down. And then I do that. And then I usually forget about it for, you know, another couple nights and then scribble on some more notes. I mean, if anything pops out at me while I'm playing, I'm like, hmm, okay, definitely need to mention that. Or that's definitely something interesting or bad or good yeah. or really good. Then I'll take note of it. But I don't, uh, I don't like, um, you know, strenuously notate everything you know that i that that, <laughs> that occur that i that i that i see or that stands out to me unless it's like really important yeah then that's probably how most of us do it i've just noticed and it, well it, i find that's also more so with um when i'm playing games on pc too because i can take for granted that i just alt tab between the two things between my word document and back into the game so it's very mm. easy for me to forget that i'm like right i have a document open and i should take notes because it's so easy because i can just type them up there as opposed to opening up google keep on my phone and taking notes when i'm playing on console um that I, I feel like i'm much more aware of having the phone and having that there i don't know what it is but at any rate and then i'm also for at least myself being on the video team i'm also constantly trying to take moments of like oh i should record this moment because that was a cool thing or i should go back and reenact the sequence or yeah all that sort of stuff is just there's a lot there's a lot going on um Kaylin, you get it we've we've asked you about video stuff before and sometimes you're on it and sometimes you're just like mm, no not anymore i'm, I'm done <laughs> yeah which we'll get to. Uh, but yes, Torchlight two, uh, 3 is still going strong. It's, yeah, more of the same. I can't remember, Jono. I know Mike has played Torchlight 1 and 2 pretty thoroughly. Me, I've only played Torchlight 2. Had you played either of the first two? Yeah, I played both of them, actually. Uh, I was a fan of... Uh, Torchlight 1 was a fun little diversion. It was a cute little kind of Diablo-esque game. I thought Torchlight 2 was an, a, a fantastic. Uh, it did, yeah. Fantastic. It uh, yeah, it really hit its stride. Really, uh, really felt like a on par with Diablo in a lot of ways, a much more cartoony version. But it does yes. sound like the version that you're playing right now, the third one, is not quite measuring up to it. Not quite. Uh, and just before I go into that, Caitlin, have you played either? I have not. Uh, I've heard about it a lot, but I've never tried it. Yeah, I've never heard you speak of it or of Diablo in any way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not especially a Diablo kind of person. I, I think I've dabbled occasionally with diablo like games but i'm not usually a uh the loot hack yeah it's okay yeah i, I didn't think it was in your wheelhouse. so i was going to be mildly surprised and that'd be a fun conversation topic so uh you are on on par with my thoughts with uh, where i thought you landed with it but yeah like john was saying it with me yeah, i'm still kind of lukewarm on it it is more of the same but like again there was something they were hitting just right with two and i think a lot of it comes down to the problems with three is what mike was speaking about is just the 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 issues with the development period it's not a single player game it's a it's a sing, it's a single player game that was made out of a multiplayer that's yeah and that's what i'm i'm now getting more and more confirmed the more i go in um but since we last uh talked about it on 200 i i tried another class because i wanted to try the multiplayer thing i cannot remember i'm pretty certain in uh torchlight 2 you could use your single player character in a multiplayer instance is that correct do you remember i have no idea because i have old multiplayer games like the plague oh fair enough 
well for me it was um I, I'm concerned I was mixing it with Diablo because I knew that was definitely a thing. You could take your single-player character and play it in multiplayer. But in Torchlight 3, they're completely separate entities, which is kind of annoying because I want to take my established sharpshooter that I'm a high level with and I've already progressed a certain way through the story over to multiplayer and join in some games and progress through quests with people there. But no, I have to start again from square one with a new character and then plow through the story again that way, which is kind of annoying and tedious because the story's not that great. And it's just a lot of repetition in That's the gameplay. Yeah, and also the matchmaking is very weird and clunky, and um, I, it, ma- it makes me miss Battle.net. <laughs> okay. Wait, really? Well, I just, like you, well it, it makes me miss, um, as I'm sure you both have played the multiplayer games, where it takes you into an instance of like basically a chat room, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really have that. You at first, I was just I didn't know how or where. There's no clear indication. You just start multiplayer, and it throws you into the game the exact same way it starts in single player. So I didn't know what what I was supposed to do. I ended up having to look online how to figure out how to do it. There is one extra menu option once you go into the the menu where you can look up um, like player profiles or whatever. So you can you can see who is in the hub town with you at that moment. And so when you hmm. go back to the hub town, you'll see other characters running around uh, and you can do an all chat to all of them and whatever. And then you can pull up that profile thing and see who's doing what. But you both have to be playing on the same difficulty setting in order to play. And I keep seeing people either playing on ridiculous, which is the hardest setting, or on the basic setting of normal. And I had stupidly chosen, apparently, uh, to play on hard. And I've seen one other player since who's playing <laughs> on hard. So I haven't been able to match up with anybody. And this is, again, since you just kind of have to all shout at everybody and just be like hey who wants to play together or who wants to do something or just like forcefully invite yourself to someone and hope they accept like Mm. it's just it just seems like there's um not a lot of the social aspect to it and uh that's unfortunate because yeah a lot of the joy from those games i do remember uh sitting either on lan or a multiplayer playing with a friend over Battle.net and diablo or a few times i did pick up with somebody in torchlight 2 as well and it's just it's more fun when you can tag team out combos and have different um people attacking different ways and stuff like that like you can have a sharpshooter doing range stuff while you have a forged up in the front which is what i selected i went with the forged so i tried out the the little build your own robot (laughs) is the basically that kind of class it's uh i understand why they don't allow single player characters to you know transfer over the multiplayer realm because there's no guarantee that the person hasn't hacked their character or they haven't uh, they haven't used cheats to put, you know, get extra buffs or get like the best of the best gear. So I yeah, get maybe. why that's the case. But at the same time, you put a lot of effort into something like that. You really do want to be able to take it with you. And I get with these games, there is, um, there's a lot of that D and D crossover where some of the most fun parts of D and D is just making characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people mm-hmm. like just generating a new character and getting into it. But one thing else also I've discovered as I've been playing through now further into the, the the world, into the story, into the game, is it's broken up into levels that are all kind of like the flavor of the stage, like flavor of the, the game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I do again remember from Diablo 1, Diablo 2, you did go to different hub towns, which gave you a different sort of flair. Like you had the first one was very much in the graveyards and the marshes and stuff. And then I think the second town in Diablo 2 was the desert one. And then the third one was a jungle. And that's cool because it gives you 
yeah, a nice change of pace, a nice change of scenery. Generally, the mobs change enough with a few palette swaps here and there, but it, it provided enough variety and to keep the game interesting and whatnot. And in this version, it does that much. It's nice to have a change of scenery, sure. But I find the new mobs, there's they definitely don't have the, the variety. So the first stage, all you're fighting is goblins, and then you start fighting just a different color of goblins. Some of the goblins might have guns, some might have bombs, some are just the same goblins. And that's basically all you do for a good, like, first two hours is you're just constantly clicking on goblins. So hmm. it gets a bit tired. And then the second one right now, you're in a swampy marsh. Very cool. But you're just clicking on goblins. bunches of bugs, but also goblins. Yeah, there's infected goblins, which is neat because they're trying to make it like, oh, this these bugs are kind of invading the territory and taking things over. And so you can see, like, all the, the creepy marshy bug stuff that is overtaken goblin villages here and there. Uh, but it's clear this land is very much um, riddled with goblins, and huh. and there's not again not a lot of variety in the in the uh, the mobs, so it just gets tired. It's like oh more spiders, but now instead of being fire spitting spiders, these spiders spit poison. So it's just a pilot swap with a thing, and that's where I get into the flavor of it because in that first stage, all the elements of the monsters were all fire element, and now I'm in like the poison stage. I haven't quite determined if that also means they have a strength towards those elements, but it means like all the gear you're getting was simply protection from fire, protection from fire, protection from fire. And now I'm getting a mostly protection from poison with the odd fire one thrown in. And then my weapons, I'll get, yeah, the variety of fire elemental, poison elemental, nether, all the different stuff. But I, my, my character is built, as I said, in the 200, I had the, um, the item, the relic that lets me like use poison, and every time I do poison damage, it summons little spiders. So I'm kind of like the neck. People who play Diablo 2 know their necromancers who summon things. My basically made my sharpshooter to be a summoner. So I get like a wolf companion I can summon whenever I do damage. I'm summoning like these hordes of little spiders that come out of the ground for a little while, and they're poison, basically like poison cloud spiders, and I can summon bigger ones. So I just have this horde of mobs that can keep things at bay while I can sit back and shoot them if I want. Which is very neat, and it's a cool thing. But then I'm like, well, now I'm in the poison stage, and I feel like, are they as effective? I don't know. And when everything's just all poison all the time, I feel like it takes some of the strategy out of how you build your character and construct things based on your gear. Because I said you don't really get to customize your characters now when you level up by getting attributes and stuff. It's all in the gear you get, but there's no strategy to being like, oh, I want to build my person to have really good defense against you know, fire and have strong poison attacks so they can poison foes, which, yeah, I might get, you know, hindered by the odd poison character I come across, but for most of the time, I'll be able to be effective against everything. Whereas in this one, it's just... It's weird how they kind of did the power balance, the power creep. Hmm. It kind of feels, yeah, like you're just going, running through the numbers and just clicking just to get through it kind of thing. Because the it, it's taken that aspect of the strategy out of it. Hmm. It's a shame because I'm... I, I like I really enjoy Diablo uh, games and these this style of games, but there's a, I actually don't even know how to put this into words. There's a certain X factor in these games that keeps them active and involved, even though technically you're just clicking things with your mouse. Yeah. Um, and if that X factor isn't there, it literally becomes almost like a a graphic version of a spreadsheet. Like you're literally just click 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 click, rather mm -hmm. than being super engaged with what's happening. My first run of Diablo 2, I was super into playing a sorceress, and I went, like, all ice. 
mm-hmm. which was terrible because I got to the final boss, I think, of the desert level and has protection from ice. So my spells were awful and I had to respec a little bit. And that's one thing that's good about this game is you can respec very easily. Like I remember I put some points into you could summon ghostly goblins. So then I was able to respect that, which is neat. But again, I still find, and that's, I mean, Caitlin, you could probably speak to this in Fort, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. You do get into a routine where you're just kind of using the same key combinations over and over and over again, really, especially in like a, a big raid boss fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of variety in flair. Yeah, well, yeah, and like, you know, most of the fights are designed on a set schedule of moves, and once you know what the what the, the pattern is, uh, you know, like, oh, I have to do this here, or especially for like, you know, I, I main healers, so a lot of healing is knowing <laughs> when damage is coming out and the bare minimum you have to do to respond to it and keep people alive, so there is a lot of like that just memorize this and then, you know, profit. Um, yeah. Hmm. And this kind of has a bit of that too, just without the the epicness of the stories and the and the monsters to fight. I don't know. I, I feel like it's just that like it's overstaying its welcome a little bit. Like it just feels like the levels are a bit too long. Because I initially saw the first map and I was like, oh cool, is this all this game is? I just go through this. I mean, it's kind of boring that it's mostly the same mobs. Maybe things will get a bit interesting. But as I got near that the end of that first map, um. I was kind of seeing that there was another map coming up and then you get a big story beat where it reveals like the big bad and the big bad has three subordinates. So you very quickly see telegraphed what the shape of the game is going to be. There'll be a big bad per map. Each map is going to have a different flavor and then you face off against the final boss and there we go. So yeah, there's just not enough, I guess, compelling story wise to, to lure me in. Like everything seems to be that dropped in story beats is, um, you're talking just to the characters who it's mostly just like, go do this next thing. As soon as you've completed a quest, you've completed a quest. You have a new quest. And you're just doing that, going, going, going. There's not a lot of... Uh, it's very linear. And mm-hmm. any additional story beats, there's these things called echo nodes where it seems like the bosses have basically left a memo. And it's pretty simple story writing, as you can see a bit of friction between them. It's, you know, uh, a bit of the Sith kind of thing where eventually the protégés want to take over the master and it's all very yeah i i feel like i'm not going to have much in the way of surprises but i do love the art in the story beats they once again brought back like those great kind of like comic-y sort of panels so that's really nice to look forward to and see how that gets interpreted but otherwise yeah i'm i feel like i'm already done with it and i can probably write about it because i can likely figure out where it's going to go but you know the proper reviewer me reviewer and me wants to finish the story so I can give a complete analysis of how the story shapes up and see if things get a bit more interesting, you know, as we do and as we should. As as we should, yes. Yeah. So either way, I'm I'm kind of enjoying the, the satisfaction of clicking on things and making them blow up and stuff like that. But there's some times where I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to click on more things. It feels like this was originally supposed to be that massive multiplayer online thing, which apparently Torchlight 2 was supposed to be as well. And then they ended up canning that at the last second. Seems to be part of Torchlight's storied history. But like, yeah, like I was saying, there's like the fort thing. It seems to have like, oh, you put stuff in to chop wood into wooden planks and then it has a timer of like a minute and they have to come back, which is annoyingly short and tedious. That really like, why even do it that way? Because it's so short that by that point you're already gone and locked into an adventure and probably don't want a town portal back there just for that anyways. And then in your base, you have certain things that you can put 
stuff into to improve them. So it goes from a plus one bonus to gold gain to a plus two bonus or a plus one bonus to um, poison resistance to a plus two bonus. So there's a lot of like those gacha kind of feed into things based on the multitude of um, currencies that you generally get in those kinds of games. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely starting to see more and more that those holdovers are definitely there and they tried to kind of keep them in, but they feel very tacked on. And then again, it's just that satisfaction of, Ooh, I put things in and shiny stuff's happened. So it's definitely doing the right things to my brain that it should, but it just feels like, is that supposed to be, you know, like, I feel like there just would have been more interesting, engaging ways to do it. Like I miss fishing. I thought that was fun. I like the reward of getting the fish that you could then mutate your, your companion beast into. That was kind of neat. All in all is I still like that I can swap up my monsters. I've got dragons that can summon ske- skeletons now. I've got a, I got a wolf that farts. That was funny. Um, what? It basically, Farting wolf. For like an yeah, attack yeah. or? It, yeah. Like, um, it's, I think I said in 200, it seemed like whenever you got a new pet from a boss fight, you could choose to keep it or swap it out or release it. And it always, all of them came with different, um, they each have like their one shot kind of ability to do. Like they'll buff your party buff themselves sometimes they'll have an attack like i said there's a dragon it would summon two skeletons was its thing and then it would cool down and refresh and would do it again eventually and one of the one one of these wolves i got um would uh its attack it says it would basically like release a stink cloud from itself which was kind of funny you would see it howl and the stink cloud would come and it obviously would poison an enemy but the thing was always would do it as soon as it saw an enemy and then we would run to attack it so nothing would ever come towards it into its stink cloud it was funny idea poorly implemented but anyways i appreciate where they're going with that but that uh that wolf's on the bench now we'll just say can it poison (laughs) can it poison you if you get hit by it or thankfully no it doesn't seem to be friendly fire with that stuff okay that'd be hilarious if it did though that would have been (laughs) stupid stinky wolf like it's it's not a bad game like so far like it's i can definitely it's it's well made in its way there is a bit of like glitchy gankiness i've seen here and there and uh, like I've had like the war forged or the the forged now I'm mincing with uh, F- Faerun. Uh the forged I would had a, like a legendary mace which also I don't know what horseshoe I shoved up my forged's butt but I uh, within like my first ten levels I already earned like ten different legendary items that I just found in the game I don't know what it was uh, which is great because every time you find a legendary item. You can you can equip it, of course, and get the benefits of it, or it goes in your legendarium, and you can equip it so you always have that ability, even if you're not using the weapon. Oh! And then, and then as you level up, you unlock more of those slots, which my sharpshooter just got, so I now have two of those. So that's kind of neat, and I like that. And then eventually you'll find newer versions of those legendary items, because obviously if you found it when it's like a level three item, its attack's going to be lousy if you try to persistently use it throughout the game, which is why they let you keep the ability, but not... You can toss the weapon if you want. Mm. So you've but heard then, it here yeah. first. If you really want your robot to kick butt, you just shove a horseshoe up its butt. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I just found a whole bunch of items. But one of the ones, yeah, I had, that's the whole point. I had a mace, but it wasn't doing its attack animation, which was weird. Things were just dying in front of me while it just kind of stared at them. It was really it was really <laughs> weird. And then I'd have to like unequip it, re-equip it with something else, re-equip it again, and then it would do it for a while, and then it would lose the animation again. It was weird. It just it just has this this presence. It doesn't have to hit enemies. It just, you know, they look at it and they die. Right, exactly. And I was this close. One of the default names that comes up in the randomizer was Rosie. 
And I just couldn't help but just be like, I'm here for you, Mr. J. <laughs> smacking things. Aww. Uh, different Mr. J, different sassy character. All that being said, uh, Caitlin, uh, aside from the big elephant in the room, um, since we were just talking about gacha stuff, you've been, you've, you've been gachaed. Oh, yes. It, I, I got got. <laughs> but you got gotted by. That's, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, well, I've been playing the crap out of Genshin Impact, which yeah, is, this is the, uh, the new, uh, action RPG from MiHoYo, um, it's a it's on mobile, it's on PC, it's on PS4, and it is well, I I freaking love it, um, which is surprising for me to say because um, despite having a, a folder full of different uh, uh, a few paid but mostly free to play uh, games like you know Dragalia Lost and whatnot like that that I actually have uh, never really even opened. I, I, I all these games I have in my folder like on my on my phone and my, my iPad, um, I don't really play. I have them. Um, I've had KOTOR on my mobile devices forever, and I've never booted it up, which shows how awful I am, because why wouldn't I play KOTOR? Um, again, I've, I've played it, guys. Just I played it on Xbox. I just, yeah, anyway. I figure... Yeah. Yeah. So I have a I have a lot of games. I've been I, there, but I've never been interested enough to to play more than like you know to, to check them out or whatnot. Um, but I've been playing Genshin Impact like pretty much every day. Uh, at least doing like a, a few Just daily burning things. Burning out your iPad. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, my iPad doesn't last very long uh, with a game like this. But it's uh, it's very what impressive. IPad? Uh, I, I, iPad Mini, uh, the the latest iPad Mini, which I'm hoping uh. they will update sometime next year because I. They just updated the airs to look like the pros, and they look really sexy. And I want that in a smaller form factor. Apple, please. I would, I would be stunned, but this is not an Apple podcast. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, we're not on Relay FM. Um, so it's, it's really good in, in my humble opinion. Uh, first of all, it looks really good. This does not look like your, your typical free to play RPG. A lot of you know which. Uh, they they have really good art style, but a lot of free to play RPGs tend to be like you know two uh, D or you know, sprites that kind of thing. They don't they gimmick it up somehow. Yeah, yeah. But they don't. They don't. I think Dragalia like... has been the most impressive to me up until this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they typically they look like what you expect for from 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 a mobile game. They don't look like a game that you would 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 you know be at home on a console or on pc or you know with other Blowing like 80 bucks on <laughs> yeah yeah and that's i mean that's kind of the thing is that i'm surprised a game like this i mean obviously it has gacha mechanics you can totally spend a crap ton of money i've seen people who have gone crazy trying to get characters and spent a, a snap ton of money uh i have not spent a penny yet yet but i don't also usually feel tempted to do that on any free-to-play games that I check out. Um, but the whole, the, the overall look of the game just feels like I'm, I'm amazed this is a free-to-play game that they didn't want to charge like a nominal fee to get it because it, I don't feel like I'm playing a mobile game when I play this. I feel like I'm playing, you know, uh, a cool uh, action RPG that's very definitely, I think, inspired by Breath of the Wild. You can you can sort of you know get the same kind of feel with the the open world where you can you can go just about anywhere. You can climb just about anything. 
you have uh, you have kind of a similar feel. You can go collect food items and cook, and there are there are monsters that are not the same, of course, but you know you can, you kind of get a similar feel to it. Um, but it, I would not say that it's like a a, a a soulless clone, and that it's just trying to ape what Breath of the Wild did. Uh, Honestly, I would actually my 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 controversial statement that I guess people will probably want to fight me on is that I actually like it a lot more than Breath of the Wild. Huh. We'll um we'll give you our right, email sir. address later where you can send the pitchforks, everybody. Well, thank you for coming on, Caitlin. Um, yeah, so my return was short lived before I got uh, exposed as a fraud. Because <laughs> how dare I? You back. How dare I, I? I say that something's better than Breath of the Wild. <laughs> right. Well, I was gonna say though. So Gacha. Uh, sorry, Gacha Impact. Genshin Impact Gacha doesn't Impact. sound like um, it doesn't sound like the uh, Dark Cloud to Ocarina of Time sort of situation. It actually is surpassing in the Zelda Killer. I think so, but to be fair, I didn't like Breath of the Wild very much, and I'm not a huge Zelda fan. I played more like Breath of the Hot Air. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Pfft. I played it. I like it well enough. I don't think it's amazing. Uh, there are things people love about it that I absolutely hate. Um, and I, Genshin Impact, for me at least, does those things better. Like we could, we could, you know, discuss this more in depth and go we on can and later, on. Yeah. But, um, I get, yeah. but like for instance, I utterly hate uh, the uh, the weapon degradation in Breath of the Wild, and that's that's, that's you know you can't debate about that. But I personally I don't it, like it. I don't like it. I and because probably because of that, and probably because of how stiff Link is in combat, I don't like combat in Breath of the Wild. It's not fun to me. So, and of course, you know, you can. It seems like more flair in the. There's definitely more flair in Genshin Impact. It's much more of a of an action kind of RPG combat feel where you're 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 meant to sort of get up in the enemy's face and wail on them, and you have. You have elemental moves and then super moves you can you can you can spam and things like that, um, and it's it's really I mean that's one Seems of the cool. the nice the cool things about the game is that you have all these different characters and there are some that you get you know as part of the main story so it's not like you have to get all of your characters through through gotcha um, so you do get some of those but I, I mean I've I've amassed a nice a collection of like I don't know like a little bit under half, I guess, of the playable characters already without, again, spending any real money. Nice. Uh, just by, you know, by, by doing things, by exploring, by taking advantage of some of the the, um, the timed events that they've had. And they're all really cool. Like, they, there's a, a, there's a, a certain amount, there's, there's like five uh, weapon types, swords, uh, heavy swords, uh, magic weapons, bows, and spears. Um so characters have different weapon types, and those will behave differently. They all have different elements, and their elemental moves and their their super moves change. Um, but even a character that like has the same uh, element will have different a different kind of move than another character with the same element. So there's strategy involved in like which character you want to to field uh, for which situation, and there's an elemental. Uh, reaction system where basically every element can react with every other other element to create various different effects. Oh, very uh, cool. So, like for instance, if you have a water character, uh, one of their moves will almost certainly be a move that makes the enemy wet, and then you can switch to a character that's an ice element. And if that character uses their ice move, they will freeze the enemy. 
which hmm, freezes them I in place it. and lets you get criticals on them uh, at a higher rate. Um, so that can, you know, you, you can strategize a lot with that with your team composition, which you can have up to four people in a, in a party uh, at one time. So you can kind of come up with different uh, elemental combinations to suit your play style or the situation, depending on like what kind of enemies you're facing or what kind of challenge uh, the game is throwing at you. Um, and it's all oh, very, cool. it's all very flashy, and it looks pretty. It's all kind of you know that sort of uh, anime. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily yes. cell shaded, but it's that kind of sort of like oh, this is this is anime style kind of uh, character design, and and, uh, and kind of like how um, uh, the latest Fire Emblem was looking. Yeah, yeah, uh, sort yeah. of like that. So yeah, I keep seeing uh, adverts for it when I'm playing. Final Fantasy Brave XVS War of the Visions. Um, they get adverts. There's a, a way to get like some of the game's currency by watching just adverts of other stuff. So that's one of the ones that comes up sometimes. And there's a big, very um, Link in Twilight Princess looking wolf boss fight that looks like it's in there and gave me some Dark Souls vibes and stuff. But yeah, we can go into this in more detail. I know like Pete Leavitt's been playing it and Audra's got a review coming of it at some point. So, and mm. you you said you're still early on too, right? Yeah, I'm still in the the storyline for the first region, um, so I still gotcha. have a couple of uh, things to go through. And there, there, there's a patch coming. Um, as of the time that we're recording this, it's coming next week. Um, that's going to uh, introduce more story and more characters. So more, more gotcha. More to do. Yes. Yeah, more to I do. Get it. Yeah, that's how they do it. That's how they keep you coming. But uh, all that being said, uh, speaking of more things coming. Uh, we did tease the fact that you're going to be talking about Cold Steel 4, since, again, I mistakenly thought you were on last time talking about 3, and you were so stoked for 4. You were just like, I need him in my veins now. Yeah. 3 left you wanting more. Yes. So, how is it? Was it worth the wait? You were chasing the high. Uh, so, this is this is really hard to talk about, because um, it's, it's a yes and a no. Um... And I, I, you know, I would not have thought that I would be saying this uh, when I finished Cold Steel 3. Um, but uh, unfortunately, th- there are some problems with Cold Steel 4, and uh, I'll try to, to get into them a little bit. Um, so just to, to sort of set the stage, Cold Steel 4 is the, the last game in the Cold Steel arc, which is the the most recent arc in the trail series. There've been two arcs before this. Um, Cold Steel three ended with a huge cliffhanger. Uh, uh, if I guess spoil, I'm not going to talk about details, but I have to sort of explain a little bit about what happened in Cold Steel three. So if you're spoiler conscious, skip ahead like a minute or two. Uh, Cold Steel three ended with everything going to sh- basically the, Bad guys kind of got what they wanted, and our Reen, our, our protagonist, is, uh, I'm just going to say, chocobo noise. It's, it's bad. And Cold Steel 4 starts off right, basically, like a couple of days after the events of Cold Steel 3, where things are not looking good. Uh, the, the country that we're in in these, in these games, Erebonia, is on the verge of war with their neighbor, uh, the bad guys have unleashed this uh, mysterious curse that has sort of been the source of all of the the country's woes over the millennia or so that the country has ex- that Erebony has existed uh, for nefarious reasons involving uh, a a mysterious 
uh, super powerful force called the Great One, um, which is uh, one of the Septarians, uh, a, a, a combination of two Septarians, actually. And Septarians in the game's lore are these like super powerful uh, artifacts or, 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 or beings that are gifted by the, the world's uh, goddess. Um, so it's... It's not, it's, not, it's not a good time. Everything's looking bad, um, and our heroes are kind of scattered and have to regroup and, and find, find their leader and, and stop the bad guys. And I was so hyped for this because of the way Cold Steel 3 ends, which is very much basically just things are bad and then black screen to be continued. And there are definitely things I love about it. There are some really high highs uh, to the game. There are Plenty of moments in which I laughed and I smiled. I was like, oh, yeah. And there's some really, really good hype moments where I'm like, this is amazing. But a lot of the game is kind of a slog to get through. Um, this is this is this this is kind of, I guess, the the issue where you the uh, the whole we couldn't quite finish the story in the last game, so we had to make a new game, and we had to make it a full game, so we had to sort of stretch it out a little bit because Cold Steel 4 wasn't originally supposed to happen. The, the, the series, the sub-arc uh, that is Cold Steel was supposed to end in Cold Steel 3, but they could not fit it all into one game, so they had to split it. And the pacing in Cold Steel 4 really kind of suffers for it um, because of how they had to stretch things out to make it feel like a, a full game. And it, it, it's not that it feels like it's short or, or, it's, or it's not a full game. It does, but it just, the way in which you spend your time feels like, why are we doing this? Why, why aren't we moving things forward? Why, why, why am I spending so much time running around these places, uh, not, you know, kind of, trying to f figure out what the bad guys really are up to or, 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 or you know, fight the bad guys. Um, so I guess I'm going to try and do kind of like a, uh, a, a I'm, I'm going to pull Rob Steinman here. And if longtime listeners to the show, back when Rob was uh, our fearless leader on the podcast, he would often do this thing where he would, uh, he called it a compliment sandwich and where he would, he would talk about something good about the game and then talk about something bad and then talk about something good. He'd try to like sandwich in the bad with the good to like, you know, end on a high note, but still talk about the bad stuff. So I'm going to try and do that and I'm going to try and not talk forever about it. So let's <laughs> see how well I do. So the good. Um, absolutely the best thing about Cold Steel 4 is the way it ties together all these different little threads from the previous Cold Steel games and the previous arcs in the series, even small things like uh, uh, secondary characters and NPCs and little relationships that were brought up um, that you could completely you know, ignore if you didn't talk to NPCs in the previous games. Um, so it's Cold Steel 3 kind of started this, but Cold Steel 4 really kind of is the game where the Sky games and the Crossbell games and the Cold Steel games come together. Uh, the Most of the main characters from the previous arcs make appearances and are at various different points playable, uh, depending on where you are. They are they are pretty involved in the events that happen in this game. So it's not just Reen and class seven that's involved. It's, it's the SSS from the crossbell games and it's the liberal bracers from the sky games. 
And it's great to see all of them together um, in, in 3D since the, uh, their games obviously were not in this current engine. Um, and like I said, secondary characters like the, the various other students, the non-Class 7 students from Cold Steel 1 make appearances and their story arcs continue and there are little references there. There are references to sub-characters from the Crossbill games and events that occurred during the Crossbill games. There's even an homage to an infiltration sequence from FC, uh, from Scott Shores in the Sky FC, that is kind of like scene for scene spot on the same and the nostalgia in that sequence was so great that I had to actually reboot the game and and do it again because I was like oh my god they even (laughs) included the cat as the decoy and if you you longtime fans will probably know what I'm talking about when I mention a cat as a decoy so it's things like that it's one of those things that Trails is really good at because it is a long form series where Every game is in the same world, and there's a, there's a shared timeline, and there are references to past events in previous ca- games. It's the kind of thing that you can't, you can't do on a, you know, other long-running series like, like Final Fantasy, where every game or most every game is its own different universe. And that's really the, that's always been Trails' biggest strength, is that, that shared universe and that connection. And it's really good here in Trails of Cold Steel 4. I had absolutely the best time with the game was these various different little moments. So that is that is really good. And I don't want to to gatekeep and say you should not play this game if you haven't played the previous games in the series, but I will say that you'll get more out of it and it will mean more to you if you the more background you have. Not to say that you have to play absolutely every game, but the more you know about the previous games, the more those little nods and references will mean to you. Um, and like, and because for me it was the best part, I like, I would not have enjoyed this game as much as I did, uh, even despite its problems, uh, if it wasn't for uh, my, my having played the past games in the series. So take that for, you know, take that as you will. I'm not going to say don't do it. Just be aware that the more you know about the series, the, the, the more you'll get out of this. Well, it's really compelling. Like that's one thing I, I really like about hearing about this series is just how long running the arc is. Cause like you said, like Final Fantasy has been around for ages, but everything's independent. Like the only thing you can look forward to is how they're going to put Sid in there this time. Uh, yes. Whereas yeah, with this, it's, that's really cool that you get all those references to the other games but it's also good that it's handled in such a way that you don't feel like you're missing out. It's a very cinematic universe of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very sure. much so. Um, one other, I guess, two other good things I'll mention before I move to the bad is that uh, I think the music is better in Cold Steel 4 uh, versus Cold Steel 3. I mentioned in my review of Cold Steel 3 that I didn't... It wasn't that I hated the music, but it was uneven and it wasn't as strong as past games. And... Uh, it's still, Cold Steel 4's soundtrack is still not on the same level as, like, the, the really high highs of the series, which for me is really, like, uh, Ao no Kiseki and the first two Cold Steel games. Um, but it's better than Cold Steel 3. It's more consistent, and there are some really good uh, pieces on there that I, I love and some epic battle themes, so I like it more. Sorry, I'm not familiar with a lot of the music from this series. Like, what would you liken it to? Um... Well, what would I liken it to? Falcom Sound Team JDK is uh, well. I mean, some of it is very ease-like. There's, there's, okay, that's there's, what I was there's, thinking. 
there's some of it that definitely has that kind of uh, synth rock feel to it. It's not more guitar. It's not you well yeah there's yeah it's not quite the same like intensity and it, there's a lot of tracks that aren't rocky but some of the battle themes especially in like the older Cold Steel games uh, will give you some ease vibes uh, and vice versa there, there are some ease themes that make me think of Cold Steel or make me think of Trails um, but like there's uh, there's more n- natural instruments more more violin more more uh, uh, orchestra uh, at, at appropriate moments in uh, in the Trails games, and there's plenty of, like, uh, cutscene music, style music where things are quiet or have piano or have, you know, things like that. It's, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, outside of, like, the E style for Falcom's uh, Sound Team JDK, it's kind of hard to, to say, well, it's like this because they've kind of they're kind of their own sound. They're they're kind of distinct. Okay, uh, that's cool though. Uh, in in, in the, the the style that they've created, but the 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 composition of the team has changed over the years, and some of the additions and are not quite up to par, and some of the people that are not there anymore, you know, I miss them. So that's part of the reason why the soundtrack for three and four are both combined overall not quite as good as past games. Um, that's crazy that you can tell the difference. That's awesome. Yeah, that that was that was part of why Cold Steel Three soundtrack was disappointing because there was, it was fairly obvious with the the, the style that they were going for, um, especially with some of the battle themes that there was just a completely different kind of feel to. I mean, it, it wasn't so like night and day, but it just it was not the same. Um, so that's a little bit better in Cold Steel Four, but it's still not as good as past games so you're left wanting yeah yeah um and the other small good thing i'll mention before getting to the bad is that the battle system is a, it's at least a little bit better balanced this time around um they changed a few tw- they tweaked a few things with the brave orders and the break system uh that make it a little bit harder to kind of abuse things and and take advantage that is to say oh, okay. it's it's a trails game. You can break it to high heaven um, eventually, especially at the second half of the game. Once you start getting higher level quartz and better accessories, you can still break the game to high heaven. But it's not quite as ridiculous as in Cold Steel Three, where I effectively denied the final boss more than like one or two turns, and then I killed him. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I remember you telling us about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's hard. You you can still do that to a certain extent, but it's harder to keep them in break indefinitely because of the way they changed things. So, um, and I honestly I've played Cold Steel Four on hard for most of the time. I had to turn it down to normal for some of the early boss fights, which were very difficult. But I played it on hard most of the time because I felt like normal was too easy, and I kind of felt a bit more comfortable playing on normal in Cold Steel Four this time around. Um, it was still easy at the beginning, but I didn't feel quite as like, this is just not fun. So I, I, I feel, you know, anecdotally, of course, I feel like the balance is better, even if it's still ultimately a very easy series to break, if you so desire. So, Gotcha. So now you're going into the negative part? Now I'm going to the negative parts. What, so, um, what would ruin a sandwich for you? What would you put in a sandwich that would ruin it for you? Like a real sandwich. Um, a real sandwich. 
<laughs> Mortadella? Are you allergic to cheese? No. Mock oh, chicken? I love cheese. Um, oh, because that's definitely not it. This is not, this is not a question I was expecting, so my brain is kind of just like, uh... What? What's a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I really don't like, um diced onions or chopped onions like on, mm. on like a burger i guess it's not so gotcha. much a sandwich um there i like onions so there's some onions in there in general but i don't like the i don't like the crunch i guess if that makes <laughs> sense um so uh what gives uh yeah what gives cold steel for that bitter sadness inducing crunch um largely it's the pacing uh the game's pacing is really bad and i'm sure that part of that is because of what i mentioned that they 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 had to make another game to really give this the the cold steel series the or the uh, the finale it deserved but they had to pad it as a result because it it feels like you can i i i I can see the padding with this game um two-thirds of the game like at least feel really slow and a slog and it feels like you're doing the same thing uh you're, you're basically going around uh, the same areas that you went to in cold steel 3 trying to get all of your classmates and then later on all of your like adjacent thor's branch campus personnel and and uh, ally characters uh back with you and the bad guys while they occasionally stand in your way they they let you kind of go where you please, and uh, it, it really it, you don't really do much much in the way of like figuring out okay w- specifically what are the bad guys doing, how do we stop them, uh, all that stuff until much later in the game, and it just it's like the individual portions of the, the, those that first two thirds are still like. It's not that I hated everything I was doing, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind with the way that Cold Steel 3 ended and the way Cold Steel 4 starts and the stakes that are at hand here. Basically, you're, you you know from the get-go that if you don't stop the bad guys, they're going to basically cause the end of the world. And with stakes like that, it just feels so weird that you spend two-thirds of the game kind of cooling your heels and and uh, and getting a full deck instead of making... It's like a Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. Except this is you like, like it. this is like Breath of the Wild, where you just ignore, you know, Ganon, uh, and just go run around, you know, the Hyrule and explore. And, Those cocos and... aren't going to catch themselves. Got to collect all the bugs. That's yeah, how my, that's how my partner played the game. It drove me a little crazy, just running around the fields collecting bugs nonstop. So. I guess what I would say is like um, Cold Steel Four is is structured very similarly to Cold Steel Two, uh, almost in some respects like beat for beat in terms of like mechanically like you spend X amount of time going places on foot and then you get a, an airship and now you can fast travel and oh there are trial chests that you have to uh, to do where you fight with only specific characters and you unlock things when you do that like it's it is like sometimes uh, the, the the developments mechanically are like holy crap this is literally Cold Steel 2 but where Cold Steel 2 was one act intermission second act finale Cold Steel 4 is one act intermission, second act with a intermission-like finale, third act 
interlude finale. Like it's it it it's the same kind of basic structure element, but just stretched out and elongated. And there's only so much of that that I can take before I start wondering, okay, are we going to do something about the villain and the end of the world and this this war that's about to start start that we don't want to start like are we gonna are we gonna do anything about that and the game eventually does but it's like right at the very end and even that whole even the end sequence where you start to actually make moves against the bad guys and the finale where you get to the final dungeon feels like it drags on and on and then it just ends and so okay I have to explain this a little bit because I think this is emblematic of the other problems with the game. There are two endings to Trails of Cold Steel 4. There's a Ooh. normal ending and a true ending. And you have to do a certain series of side quests uh, and optional bosses to get access to the true ending. The normal ending is super short and bad. I hated it to the point where I can't believe that they thought that this would be an acceptable ending for anybody who did not know about the true ending. Why even put it in? Yeah. But here's the thing. I completed the requirements for the true ending before going to the final dungeon. Uh, I was using a guide to make sure that I didn't miss anything. I still had to watch the normal ending and watch the normal ending credits and then reload my save to get a text box telling me, because I did this thing before the finale, I now have access to a new path. Do I want to do this new path? And of course I'm like, yes, but it's like... But what? <laughs> yeah, and all it is is at some point at in the normal ending cutscene, the, the scene diverges and you get way, you get much more of an actual kind of ending ending. It's not nearly as abrupt. And I'm just like, well, why did I have to watch the normal ending if the true ending just sort of picks up and goes from there like why why do why do i have to watch this if i don't you know whatever so you have to do that and then <laughs> there is a bonus scene that you get after uh doing the true ending but you have to reload your save and go through parts of the true ending for it to show up it does not show up automatically for you after like the first time you do a true ending and i i'm like why why it's a it's like one of those like Marvel things where it's a credits like or or, or a post credit scene, but like why do I have to reload my save to see it? I mean, I wouldn't even have even known that it existed unless I had seen it on YouTube or you know saw someone talking about it on Reddit. It's not it's not signposted or anything. It's just kind of like weird things like that that, that you know. And I know I know that sounds like a small thing, but to me it was just it, that was the very end of the game, and it was like the last straw. I was exhausted by the time I got to the, uh, even just by the time I got to the quote unquote finale, the start of the finale, uh, I was exhausted. And then by the time I finished the game, I was exhausted. And that maybe doesn't sound weird because Trails games are uh, historic. Every Trails game is a long, uh, slow burn, kind of, uh, you know, very steadily paced kind of game, uh, kind of games. Um, and, fatigue we would think would be normal for games like that but I've never felt this just done with a game in the series and I 
marathoned all of the Sky games and both Crossbell games last year in preparation yeah. for Cold Steel 3. And then I played Cold Steel 3. You and, would have thought that would have burnt you out. Which is yeah. a hell of a marathon. Yeah. So, like, it's it says something if I'm saying that this game exhausted me and I just wanted it to be done. And I did. So the pace... And then pacing is a huge part of that, but the plot developments themselves are also... Uh, to blame like they they had to come up with an explanation for everything and a continuation but they 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 couldn't necessarily develop it the way they wanted to or that they they just this was the idea that they had um and the the the, the you know i mentioned that there's a curse that's unleashed at the end of cold steel 3 the curse is a macguffin it's a big macguffin that just gets used for every bad thing that any person does uh, over the course of this game and there is like there is a, a source of the curse that you learn about and you deal with that and, and that crap but it, it just kind of like I don't know it, it never felt uh, on the same level as the reveals about like what's going on with uh, the uh, the Liber arc in, in the Sky Games or what's the story behind uh, behind Kia and the Azure Tree in the Crossbell Games it just it, it always felt kind of like a little half-assed and and uh, uh, like they were going for something that was really cool and epic, but it just did not have the development necessary to really uh, to really hit that that note. I did enjoy the game. I did have a fun time with it for the most part, but it's really hard for me to ignore some of the the the, the elements of this this plot and the pacing that just dragged the whole yeah. experience down. It, it um, sounds like lackluster anime as heck. Just like that extra yes. padding and needless like plot flip-flopping just to like try and drag things out. Yeah. So that's the bad. Yeah. Well, what's uh, what brightens it at the end here? At the end, uh, for me personally, um, there were a few late game reveals that had my head spinning with a bunch of different theories and possibilities and, and wonders about what this could mean for the world and the lore and the future uh, one or two, maybe three, but probably no more than two arcs that we're, we're talking about um, uh, before the, the series is completed. Um, for reference, Cold Steel 4, after Cold Steel 4, we're, we're supposedly a little over 60% done with the whole story. So it's probably going to be two, maybe three more arcs before they're done. Um, there's uh and i can't i can't i can't explain what they are because they're they're major spoilers but needless to say they they had me rethinking what i thought i knew about uh various organizations and the nature of uh the world and what might happen down the line and i am I'm I'm very excited to see if any of my theories actually are correct and what that could mean. If I'm right about any of my suspicions, there could be some really good like mind blow twists coming up in a future arc or two that could really be uh, epic. Um, I mean, I, I could be completely wrong, but there's just some very interesting questions that get posed that are kind of like an aside from the main plot that you're dealing with which is kind of interesting like it's one of the most interesting parts of the game has nothing to do with the main villain in this game or the main conflict it has everything to do with something else 
further on down the line. So if, if nothing else, Cold Steel 4 was good for all of the all of the references and the characters from these games that I have loved so very much and good because it's left me excited or at least hopeful for the next game in the series and the next arc which wherever that happens to be after Hajimari which we we don't we don't know yet but I've got some thoughts about what it could be. Well, that's that's not a bad like way to re- to kind of end off this little review of just saying eh, despite its faults at least you're excited for more and you know you're at the whole fool me once stage fool me twice that's when yes yeah, the shame on you part i suppose but that's okay you're allowed to be still optimistic yeah hmm. hey do you guys want to hear about a game that has absolutely no disappointing qualities in my opinion well, I was going to yes. say you played something that's yeah the next in a series that i know caitlin is also very excited to hear about yes yeah, what's uh, what's uh, Yakuza like a dragon got going on? Is it Yakuza Seven like a dragon? It's just it's just Yakuza like a dragon. Right? It's just Yakuza like a dragon. Caitlin and I actually talked about this a few days ago, where it's kind of like, I think the reason why they didn't put a seven after this game is because they are seeking a new audience with it. Um, whereas if they put a seven after it, you know that people would think, oh, I need to play one through six, or I guess zero yeah, through six. But the reality is, this is a complete standalone. It's very very similar to Judgment. Uh, in the sense that there are, you know, you're still in Camarocho, there's still locations that are, uh, and, and a few minor characters that are carried over between games. But this is an entirely new storyline. In fact, in many ways, it sweeps the board clean um, and lets them tell a completely brand new story from a brand new location. Um, so yeah, the big thing about Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I'm pretty sure that most people who are listening to this knows, is that unlike other Yakuza games and Judgment, uh, it is not a beat-em-up. It uses no beat-em-up mechanics. It's a pretty darn traditional JRPG. It uses JRPG mechanics, turn-based battles, there is a complex and expansive job system, there are dungeons, there is uh, full inventory systems where you equip, you know, weapon, uh, your armor, your relics, everything like that. It's a JRPG. And I think for a lot of traditional Yakuza fans, that's been a bit of a difficult transition to make. For me, however, considering that, you know, JRPGs are my, you know, I guess, first love, um, and I actually love turn-based mechanics, it's taking everything that's good about Yakuza and it's doing something that I enjoy even more for the central gameplay loop. So, yeah, in my opinion, the game is a thus far i haven't beaten it yet we have a review in progress on the website but thus far it's a pretty masterful game in my opinion i just love it and so you're shaking up the combat system in its way uh and you said it's more turn-based is it turn-based but still retains like its action elements kind of like final fantasy 7 remake or is it more or like final fantasy 12 or is it um, no, it's, like straight, like left and right side JRPG nope. setup? Uh, well, it's not straight left and right side uh, JRPG because you do move around. It's a little bit more like Chrono Trigger in the sense that you can, uh, uh, characters, you and the enemy are moving around the field a little bit. Uh, and, and and the fights take place wherever you run into the enemies. So Oh, posi- I see. So you can kind of game the encounter a little bit. Yeah, positioning matters in the game. Like, for example, if you gotcha. try running... You have to consider who you're going to attack. Uh, if you want to attack someone across the room, but there's a bad guy in front of you, if you try to do it, the bad guy will 
likely punch you in the face and stop your turn dead because mm. they're in between you and the guy you're attacking. Interesting. Uh, oh, that's cool. I like that tactic. Yeah. Other things like, for example, I think that this is in the uh, the trailer that if you're fighting on the side of a road, for example, and you see a car coming along and you can time it properly, you can kick a bad guy into the street and <laughs> then they'll get hit by the car and that will be the end. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And of course, do it. Yep. And of course, they have the old Yakuza mechanics, which is, you know, anything can be a weapon. So this is done in an interesting way. You have your usual attack with your usual weapon. But if there happens to be a bicycle beside you when you're attacking the guy, your character will automatically pick up the bicycle and beat the guy to death with a bicycle in the classic <laughs> Yakuza tradition. Yes. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll get into the story a little bit. I Like I said, I haven't finished the game yet, so I'll probably end up talking a little bit more about it next week on next week's That's episode. Fair. Although I'm very excited to see who's in crisis. Oh, I, <laughs> that is very interesting. Uh, as I start, it's a bit of a running joke for every one of my Yakuza reviews. I, I start the story with the Tojo clan is in crisis. Well, this time it starts with the Tojo clan has fallen. Uh, the Omi Alliance has taken over Kamurocho. So uh, the, the plot is almost at the beginning. It's almost a mirror of the original Yakuza. So your main character, completely new character this time, uh, Ichiban Kasuga is a low-level Yakuza uh, member of a very small of a very small clan uh, in the Tojo, a very small group in the Tojo clan. Um, he has a very uh, father-son relationship with his patriarch, and he just wants to be. He's a really good. He's a good-natured dumbass. He is a super friendly guy who makes friends incredibly easily. Everyone really likes him, and he's an idiot. Um, which, which makes it, it's different because I mean, uh, Majima was always very, very cool and collected and, and Kiryu is just a stolic, just boulder. But this guy is always smiling, always, he just wants to be a hero. His favorite game in the universe is Dragon Quest. He loves Dragon Quest and that is his inspiration. And that's the reason why the battles in the game are turn-based. It's because he even says this in like the first five minutes of the game after the very first fight, like one of his, one of his friends comes up and says, yeah, you really kicked that guy's butt. And he says, yeah, it's funny. Whenever I fight, I just picture it like in turn-based mechanics. Like this is just how I kind of work. <laughs> so you really do see the, that's awesome. Yeah. You see it through his eyes. And in fact, later in the game, this gets really weird when for the first, I'd say first couple of chapters, all of the enemies you fight are just like street thugs. They just look like, you know, usual Yakuza, uh, enemies. But later, he, I don't know if he starts having a mental breakdown, or he starts almost hallucinating that whenever he gets into a fight, the enemies start turning into Dragon Quest-esque monsters. So, like, the enemies will now have glowing red eyes, or they will, I think the most creepy enemy I've seen is just a man dressed in a full garbage bag, no arms, just legs sticking out, dancing around like he is some kind of a chicken. Um... And, it's uh, like a weird take it on sounds a like a Yakuza game. Yeah, it's a Yakuza yeah. game. I can't deny that. Um, anyway, so or that sounds like an enemy rate of like Earthbound. A little bit, yeah. Actually, that's a very good comparison. Um, so yeah, the the game he uh, Ichiban is a low level uh, a low level Yakuza, and his patriarch asks him if he can take the fall for one of I guess it's I guess it's their captain because their captain kills a guy. So the patriarch asks. Ichiban, can you take the fall for this? Can you go to jail for murder? Can you admit to the crime? And Ichiban, who owes his patriarch a huge debt, 
uh, says, absolutely, I would, be, I would be honored to. So he goes to jail for 18 years. During those 18 years, he, is, he, receives, some, he receives a letter from his patriarch saying that you are going to be a hero in the clan. We will be there to greet you when you get out. And he gets out, and he expects to be seen by, like, his whole clan is going to be there applauding him. And he looks up, and there's just no one outside of the jail at all. Um, Rough. Yeah, and he goes back, you know, he he uh, he goes back to uh, Kamurocho, so he's been gone for 18 years, so everything's changed. Um, everything is modern, which is a really cool, I know I'm getting off track, it's a really, really cool mechanic. So it's 1999, and you're you're going around uh, Kamurocho in 1999, so the Millennium Tower is in, it's currently being built. It looks like, it looks like the uh, Kamurocho, like, halfway between Yakuza 0 and in the first few minutes of Yakuza Kiwame. And then later in the game, you go to the, you know, the modern-day Kamurocho, which is used in Six and Judgment. Um, and it's it's a very different place, and he discovers that it's ruled by the Omi Alliance, which has been the Tojo clan's uh, opponents for decades and decades. Um, and worse still, he discovers that his patriarch apparently betrayed the Tojo clan and is now second-in-command of the Omi Alliance. So he goes, he eventually fights his way to his patriarch, his former patriarch, to say, what happened? Why did you do this? And his former patriarch shoots him in the chest. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, he wakes up at a trash can uh, in uh, Yokohama. And he has no idea how he got there. He doesn't know. He, he just knows he got shot, but he has no idea how he got there, how he survived. Uh, he's homeless now. He lives he, like he he starts living in a in a, a homeless uh, camp, um, and basically starts to work his way up in the world. And he decides that he is going to genuinely be a hero uh, for the people, and he is going to fight for what's right and protect those who can't protect themselves. Very much Kiryu, except this guy is pictures himself in literally a knight in shining armor. Um, yeah, and that's. That's the basic setup of the game. So in many ways, it parallels uh, Yakuza Kiwame in the sense that Kiryu went to jail for a crime that he didn't commit to protect someone that he loves. Uh, and then eventually, when he gets out, he's betrayed. Same setup, but slightly different. Uh, because with Kiryu, it was his brother, not his literal brother, but his, his brother who betrays him. And in this, it's almost his father who betrays him. So motivations are slightly different, but it's a nice, it's a nice parallel, especially because it's starting an entirely new chapter in Yakuza. Because, like I said, the characters... Kiryu is not in this... This is, I find, hysterically funny. Not No spoilers for uh, Yakuza 6, really, but, like, Kiryu leaves for two years and finally retires, and two years later, the Tojo clan is completely collapses. That's how long it took. He's been propping them up since 1988. He retires, and boom, dead two years later. Uh, it's, yeah, it's quite a legacy to leave behind. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, it's it, in term, it's usual Yakuza... Uh, you have a good storyline. It's hysterically funny in places, really touching and heartbreaking in others. There's a really high level of melodrama, um, which, you know, I love. Uh, there are the usual just mind-blowingly large collection of minigames, uh, some of which are brand new, some of which are returning. Uh, the business management minigame from Yakuza 0, the Real Estate Royale, is making a return in spirit with a uh, a business management mini game where you take over a candy store and you have to grow it into be the biggest corporation in uh, Yokohama, <laughs> which is it, it's awesome. it's super fun. I really like it. And what I really what I one of the things I love about it is that it's actually 
part of the story because one of your party members you meet through that and the way you level them up and level up their relationship with them is by completing the side quest. One question I have for side games and such too, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, the actual like big Sega arcade uh, has shut down in the real world. Is it still shut down in the game? Oh no, they're all still open and you have the usual selection. Oh, Virtual Fighter 2 and Virtual Fighter 5, I think, are in this game. Uh, like, somewhat stripped-back versions of them. But, no, all of the, you know, the usual arcade games are there. I killed a lot of time with UFO catchers picking up cats. <laughs> um, yeah. Pocket Racing is now gone to be replaced with a full-scale Mario Kart-style kart racer called Dragon Kart. Um, and, you know, there's items in it. It's not, it's obviously not quite as big as Mario Kart, but it's the usual, like... The, the city becomes a kart racing game. You are in a kart. Uh, you can pick up items like bazookas, machine guns, things like that, taking out the carts around you. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is that completion completion challenges have always been a part of Yakuza. So it's like you walk a certain distance and you get a completion point or you uh, beat all your friends at darts, you get a completion point. Or you beat up a certain number of people, you get a completion point. And it was always sort of on the periphery of the game. Like you could, you'd have a character who you could cash in these points with but it wouldn't really have any effect. In this game, uh, it's a part-time hero side quest. So you actually are like hired by this company, part-time hero, and the completion challenges are how you level up in this minigame. So the more things you complete, the more, uh, uh, the more items and money you get, which is, hmm. it, it's a really, really uh, great system. I mean, the game is ridiculous. Like, Items. There seems to be a lot. Yeah, like one of the one of the screenshots I have in this, which I took myself, is uh, Ichiban's main weapon is a as a bat or like a pipe or that kind of thing. Well, I mean, he can in in you eventually it was the best weapon I had up to that point. You can get a uh, a uh, a magic wand. Let's put it that way. A literal gigantic magic wand that vibrates. I was gonna say, is it like small, like Kirby little wand, or is it like a full no. huge one? No, it's a gigantic vibrator. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, that magic wand. No, it's a literal magic wand. You are, beating, you are beating your enemies to death with a gigantic vibrator. <laughs> yes, okay, this is my game. The size of a bat. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really, really fun. Um, your companion... I'll tell you what really separates this game from the other Yakuza games for me, besides the, the combat system. Uh, it's in the relationships. Um... There are two systems in this game that have never been in a Yakuza game before. One is the personality development system, where Ichiban has all of these personality traits. So intelligence, friendliness, uh, passion, creativity, these kind of things. And you can level these up by doing uh, side activities in the city or by uh, take, going to school. Literally, there's a, there's a college minigame in this where you have to write tests. <laughs> yep. Which is just trivia. Um, and by doing so, you can like level aren't up these most stats. Tests. Yes, aren't most tests. Um, and by, by leveling these stats up, you can open up new character options with like conversation with NPCs. You can, uh, That's cool. you can get to new locations. Like, for example, mm. if you want to gamble, you need to reach a certain level of style. <laughs> um and that's really style cool. required for entry yes it, well actually it was because that the guy who was in front of the casino was like "Ugh, you're dreary you don't look rich enough to play here exactly <laughs> but yeah so that that's one side and the other side is uh character relationships in party kiryu kind of came packaged with a number of friends 
and relationships. And the ones he developed over the course of the games were sort of developed uh, through uh, the bonds of bond, <laughs> yeah, bonds of uh, conflict more than anything. Um, in this game, you genuinely start to develop friendships with your party. And in fact, what's hilarious is uh, Ichi actually refers to them as his party. Um, to which people I ask him, they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, my party. <laughs> this is uh, my party. This is my party of Mike. We, we, we do fight. We fight together. Um, and there's lots of jokes in it. Like life is just a grind, that sort of thing. Life is a role playing <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, so you have these character, these character quests. So character based side quests, but to get them, you have to level up conversational stats with your characters. So the relationships that develop in this game feel genuinely more, uh, well, I guess, friendly than in any other games, primarily because Ichiban is such a people person. Like, even his enemies like him. Um, and he, he just charms the pants off everyone, um, even though he is continuously called an idiot by actually all of them. Just, he's really not a smart guy. He's really not. He's just the kind of guy who's like, all right, let's do this. He's the Leroy Jenkins of Yakuza. Um, there we go. Yep. Yep. If for, for those <laughs> out there who like really old memes. Um, yeah, I'm just loving it. I mean, if you, if the game is packed, it's a love letter to JRPGs. It's packed full of references and, uh, and little touches. Um, like I said, Ichiban's favorite game is Dragon Quest, which I was stupid which I'm actually thrilled by. I mentioned this in the review, too. It, it was very surprising that Sega got to use Dragon Quest so liberally in this game because it's not a Sega IP. Um, and uh, But they do. like they, they don't make it up. They don't say it's like Dragon Journey or something like that. It's Dragon Quest. And he, he his love for it, he wears it on his shirt. And because of that, the game is full of references. Like on, on loading screens, for example, in the bottom right-hand corner, you see uh, 16-bit sprite versions of him and his party marching in place, just like they're in a, a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, it's uh, The music is absolutely phenomenal, uh, as per usual. Uh, better than a Dragon Quest game. Brag yeah, it's better than a Dragon Quest game, that's for darn sure. And, uh, Caitlin, you'll love this, because I, I know that we've we've talked about this in the past, uh, it has the it has a full English voice cast. Yes. Yeah, for the first time in a Yakuza game since the original. Um, and I've been switching back and forth a little bit. I've primarily been playing it with the Japanese cast just because that's how I like to play Yakuza. There's, it, I don't know, when I, I listen to it in English, it just doesn't hit me the right way. And then I switch it back to f Japanese and subtitles and I, you know, it just sounds right. That said, the English voice acting is very, very good. Um, and I think you're really going to like it. I think you're going to love it, actually. Yeah, there's some there's some really uh, great names involved in this. Uh, Judgment had an excellent dub, and I imagine that the, the reception to uh, the dub there was part of the reason why they decided. And, and also, I guess, you know, it, this being kind of a soft reboot, it makes more sense to maybe go dub here versus, you know, if they had decided to, like, say, dub Yakuza 6, but mm -hmm. all the previous games are, are sub-only. Um, but yeah, some some really good names here. I was super excited um, to see. Actually, uh, um, some familiar uh, voices involved from other games in the series. So, uh, mm -hmm. so I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to uh, to it. I, I'm gonna play with the dub because uh, yeah, Judgment was so great, and uh, I'm a big fan of some of the voice actors in uh, that I that I know are involved, like. Um, 
George Takei is in this? Yep, which is actually exceptionally good casting. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah it, it's really good casting. Um, I think you're really going to love this game. I adore it. Um, I'm having such a good time with it. I love Yakuza. Everyone knows that who listens to this. But this game specifically seems to be hitting me, uh, hitting me in a place where I... I have been able to forget a lot of the the stress and panic and everything that's been happening over the last couple of weeks in the world and really mm-hmm. been falling into this game. And it's really, really nice. Although I do find one funny thing is whenever I see a villain wearing a mask, I'm like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are. Uh. You are doing it right, buddy. You are prepared for what's about to come in one year. I've noticed in some reviews, some people have complained about grinding which is something that, you know, lots of people do about RPGs. I haven't noticed it yet, primarily because I've been doing all the side quests and I've been doing all the side content. So I think that's what... But you got more to do, yeah. Which I think is, it's not grinding because I'm actually playing the game, but I think it's keeping (laughs) me leveled up to the point where I am able to uh, get through without grinding. So yeah, do the side quest, play it like a Yakuza game where, you know, you say, oh my god, we have to get to the other side of town immediately or this person's going to be stabbed. And then you go off and play dragon racing for a couple of hours yeah yep yeah. some one of these days we're all gonna get slapped in the face by the rpg that holds us accountable for all that stuff <laughs> I, I know i feel like there's probably one or two out there but i can't think of them right now but that's a that's a different discussion mm-hmm. uh but yeah thanks that's you, you've given me another game that i want to be interested in. i mean i already was liking the appeal of this and especially after last last summer's release of um the dragon quest film mm-hmm on netflix and such so which i don't think if you've watched it yet i challenged you to but we never got back to talking about it whether you did or not but i think i think that's relevant now i think 2020 happened and then that kind of went away <laughs> yeah well give it a watch uh you may find some uh crossover with this but uh, yeah uh so hey that's i'd say we, we've got some good games that we've talked about and i'd say it's time to, to wrap this show up what do you two think i f- i'm yeah. fine with that yeah yeah, we're uh, we're clearly still working out how to um, keep these episodes crisp and short. This was a good pilot for us to uh, to work things out, but we're we're still running long. So I'm gonna wrap this episode up, dear listeners. But thanks for coming along on this ride with us because we had uh, two stellar big games to talk about and one that's just kind of happening. Uh, and you'll be able to look at our reviews on those quite shortly, I believe. Uh, at the very least, I know Cold Steel should be coming up soon after this recording. You still gotta. You'll probably be talking about this next episode with uh, like a dragon, and I'll hopefully be done Torchlight three by then as well. So, look forward to all that to come up. Otherwise, you can uh, get in touch with the podcast. Let us know how you're feeling. We've been starting to get some listener questions and um, responses and feedback in through email and such. So I'm gonna hopefully bring those up on the next episode. But for this episode, we're gonna wrap things up here. Either way, you can reach us at podcast at rpgfan.com to. Give us any questions, podcast, feedback, whatever. Uh, I want to start reading questions on the air again. Uh, and if not, I'm going to uh, put our guests on the spot. Keeling got away scot-free this time. So that's fine because we were going to have a, a simple question. And <laughs> it's then all, we didn't, and here it's we all are. part of my evil plan. That's why I talked so much about Cold Steel 4. Because I, I knew, I knew <laughs> I wouldn't have to answer listener questions. Right. But uh, we will have some next time. So uh, we see you. We see you. Don't worry, listeners. Uh, you can also listen to other podcasts. We've got Retro Encounter, we've got Rhythm Encounter, and we've got the Phoenix Edge podcast. You can listen to all those wherever 
you like to consume your podcast. And please, to all of those and to Random Encounter, subscribe. Give us feedback and rate us. That lets us uh, get seen easier. People who haven't discovered us, tell your friends. Tell your friends about the great music on Rhythm Encounter. Tell them about the ridiculous play journals and the schedule that Solosi keeps. Uh, tell them that we generally share mindless drivel. You know, There's something for everybody in our podcast at RPG Fan. Uh, for myself, for Caitlin, for Jono, thank you so much for listening. Caitlin, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll come back again soon. I hope so. That'd be lovely. You've, uh, you've got some, some more impacts on Genshin Impact to share, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. And there's a few other games coming out between now and the end of the year that uh, might want to talk about. <laughs> well i'll also be excited to hear when you eventually dive into like a dragon as well given your enthusiasm already for it yes Jono, thank you for being my lovely co-host as always and helping me get through this that's a pleasure it's yeah we have a good time we have fun we, we do. have fun thanks again everybody and uh bye for now bye bye